Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who drank eight glasses of water today. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. I do think I'm a few glasses shy, but I do try to, to keep my water intake up. This is Chuck Ciders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Ciders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm uh, Gene Zelak. You can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And uh, yeah, sure. I drank eight glasses of water this month. Maybe everyone's uh, everyone's pee running clear. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought I'd be tactful and avoid that reference, but um, what? Yes, mine is running clear. Good. Um, I do drink an insane amount of water, but that's just to compensate for all the coffee and beer. I just tell like, everyone that I'm carrying around water weight. I don't know if that. Is the same See, thing. I definitely drink eight ounces, uh, eight glasses of water a day. It's just that it's all hot and has been uh, poured over ground up coffee beans. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it should still count, though. I, I mean, it is water, right? Come right. On. At, at one point, it was water. And if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, Bryce Harper was lifted from today's game. Not, Not airlifted. Uh, <laughs> it was just the way you phrased it <laughs> how dramatic would that have been if like a chopper just landed in center field and not because his uh his child was being born as we all suspected but because he was dehydrated so but how did he know like did he come in and be like man i'm just just not feeling it like i mean he's been playing in the summer of for, like playing baseball in the summer for how many years he's never well, have you ever been dehydrated when you're playing a physical activity? Like, because it's hot. It was hot out today. Yeah, I mean, I ha- I have, but I also have never played anything for 130 million dollars. So, you know, I figure like I would probably yeah. have. You know, they. My mom used to always make me have like one of those things of water when I'd go to practice for for <laughs> for soccer in August. So we're p- putting this on Mrs. Harper. <laughs> <laughs> like Bryce's mom did not properly prepare him to play in this heat. Was it, it her? Is... Was it her week to bring orange slices? <laughs> um, it it was a brutally oppressive day today. I kept the kids inside the house as as much as I could. Were you punishing um, yourself today, Chuck? <laughs> Chuck, are you in I'd the penalty much, box? I'd much rather be inside in air conditioning with the kids than being outside at, at all. And we already established on this show that Bryce is probably the biggest sweater. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have discussed that on the fills, so it it adds up. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a it was a a tough call for sweating today because who was pitching today? I, I believe it was oh uh, Vargas. Yeah, Vargas, who also. Greasy Moyer. Yeah, he likes to perspire. Yeah. You know what? You know what's funny? I actually was, uh, when I was watching the game, I don't know, maybe it was Friday night, I saw Vargas just walking around the dugout, not sweaty, and he's got, like, this really curly hair. You didn't even recognize him, probably. No, I didn't remember. I said, who is that? Who's that cat? Who's that that fine-looking? Fluffy curly hair yeah i mean we're probably being unfair to the dude he was he was brought in like just for august and like outside of like a few days here it's been fairly miserable so it's like oh there's there's sweaty vargas it's like well everyone's been sweaty man this this is the only way that we know him hey everybody's got to get a thing when you join the fills 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, either bamboo or sweating a lot. Speaking of which, did you guys see uh, Charlie's Angels? Oh, a little, a little fan group back mm-hmm. and forth. Three dudes in blonde wigs. Oh, that's a, a kind of disappointing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very disappointing. There was no reference to that on the radio call that I heard today. I listened to the game mostly on the radio today. Yeah. Which yeah. apparently, uh, from from what I understand, was the way to go. Apparently, T Mac did not have a good day today. He, he's, oh, oh no, he's not had a good run. I mean, th- this Phil's broadcast. You know, we've talked about it a lot. That you know, it's it, it's not up to qual- what the quality should be. You know, we've replaced Harry Callis with spending half the time looking in the stands talking about what we've eaten like <laughs> like just you know missing you know the play like you know it, the count's like three and two before they finally decide to talk about what's happening at the plate and this isn't like the second inning you know this isn't early in the game we should still talk about it but it's like late in the game the fills were down what one run and I can't tell you how many pictures of freaking rally hats they showed and not just like quietly, not in the background, not to give you some ambiance. It's like, oh, look, she's got her sunglasses upside down. I guess those are rally sunglasses. And they cut back to her like a hundred times. Yeah. Hey, oh, hey, look. Oh, there's another person with rally sunglasses. Look, you're you're one swing away from a tie game. You're one swing away of winning five out of six as opposed to losing a series. Well, I guess you're two swings away from winning five out of six, but whatever. But it's baseball is all about dramatic tension. It is a slow build. It is a slow burn. When you get to that point, friggin' enjoy it. You know, you're telling me I shouldn't care. You're telling the fans at home that this game this moment doesn't matter when what you could be telling us is the tension here the ability to tie this game in one swing what that means what winning two series in a row would mean you know what it can do for the rest of the summer that's that's the best thing about baseball man it is these it's a game of moments and when you get to the right one all the tension has built to that moment and we just have not seen that in the broadcast booth this this year. And I want to say the last several years. I mean, this year is really smacking me in the face. But I, I don't know. I, I have not been happy with the Phil's broadcast team at all on TV. Yeah, I, I mean, we could talk about that probably all night. I just think when you go to... I mean, you're replacing a legend, so you can't do it. And this is basically what every, almost every other team has had to live with essentially for their entire existence. Except for the Dodgers, because that guy just won't die. But he's retired now, or he's done. Yeah, but I mean, you could, like, talk about a retirement. I'm sure that money talks with those kind of guys. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, that that brought, listen, Vin Scully, you know, good on you, but that is an acquired taste. Yeah, that, that is true. And a lot of people in LA acquired it, but when you, if you have not listened to Vin Scully call a game before, um, he does it by himself. There's no color man. Oh, that's he weird. is the color man and the play-by-play man. That's really weird. And he and he lets the game breathe. We'll put it that way. So, 
it's you know it's definitely something different but you know that's the only like who else i mean the 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 new york uh, the yankee guy right well i thought that they've kind of michael k yeah there's not really a modern guy though and certainly there's no it's hard to compare like a national announcer there has never really been a you know for baseball at least in my opinion there's never been like a great national announcer all the great announcers have all been with a particular team. You, you know, I guess maybe you could you could say it was uh, uh, who was the NBC guy that did all those Olympics uh, and had the horrible pink guy. Come on, Costas. Yes, Costas. <laughs> That's right. Now he's the pink eye guy, Bob Costas. Uh, maybe he was the best national guy, but he always had the touch for melodrama that I didn't really like. Yeah. Um, I I prefer to have it kind of for a national guy to kind of be as close to straight down the middle as possible, but uh, I don't know. See, I, I think we have the guy to do it, and he's part of the Phil's broadcast team already, and he's on the radio, and I'm not talking about Francie, I'm talking about Jim Jackson. I think J.J. actually calls a better baseball game than he does a hockey game, and I, I love him for hockey, but I Jim Jackson on the radio is great he he has great um rapport with uh la he has great rapport with larry anderson he calls the game well he has a nice pacing i think jim jackson would be a great move to the booth like to to the tv coverage i think he'd be a great play-by-play guy for the phillies i'd hate to lose him for the flyers but i think he's better at baseball than he is at hockey It'd be interesting to see it happen. I mean, I'd be willing to try it out. I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? Nothing. Maybe a hockey guy. Although, <laughs> who is Diplo? Oh, God. <laughs> has the Diplo concert happened yet? It has to, right? <laughs> I don't like, I feel like we've I been can't talking... deal with another Sunday where Mike Schmidt is confused about who Diplo is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Anyway, we have gone. We, so we've buried off. the lead here yeah. for the we Phillies. We totally have. We're going to jump on the Phillies first. We we absolutely buried the lead, and again, the damn Phillies did it again. They they were exciting in the middle of the week, and then they come and they let us down for us to talk about on Monday morning. This is terrible. They always do this. So Charlie Manuel is back in the dugout for the Phillies as the hitting coach. I don't care. The time is yours. <laughs> right, did did you care on Friday? No. He, he, this I I don't care because it's meaningless. If he wants to go in there and and promote good vibes or whatever, that's that is great. However, the organizational philosophy has not changed. Gabe Kapler is still the manager of this team. There's a Still, the all likelihood that he will screw this up. We still don't have the pitching to get us into the playoffs. This is a uh, this is a symbolic move meant to appease the masses. That's really all I have to say about it. it it's incredible that an offensive explosion coincided with his return, but. That's a happy. That's a happy accident. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Well, I 
I I bought the fool's gold for a little bit. I the it's fun. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. It's fun to connect those dots. But it's all in your head. Yeah. And I admit that I see that I referenced bamboo earlier. And that was after these last two games. I'm like, yep, this was just another bamboo phenomena. It was a couple games. The Phils really turned it on. And it was fun to watch baseball again. And now it's done. Um, the only thing that I had the the hope over was that it was some sort of catalyst. I like the fact that they decided a change needed to be made. However superficial, a change was made. You know, that gives me hope that, you know, if this season ends the way we fear that it will, or we think that it will, that there's a good chance Gabe gets the door, which would make me very happy. And to see a a result, you know, for, what is it, four games in a row? Three games? Four games in a row. Four, yeah. Yeah, he was actually in the dugout for three of them, but um, four games in a row. To go, well, maybe the players took this as an opportunity to to step it up or whatever. You know, I think last week I talked about how there was no there was no reason for optimism. There was no reason to believe that things were going to change and things were going to be different. And then to see those results, I thought, well, maybe just even having that new voice in the clubhouse and a breath of fresh air, which um, quick aside, I do not imagine Charlie Manuel's breath being fresh. Um, like I said, and I'm just like, now imagine like talking to him up close. I imagine it does smell like Wawa hot dogs. Um, but maybe it could have been a catalyst for change. And who knows? Maybe if they have another good week this week, it would be. But I think it was just a couple good days. I think the interesting thing for me was there was uh, just this whole kind of like a groundswell within the fan base that was exactly what I believe management or the front office wanted. They wanted the story to not be the negative, we want somebody's head, and kind of a turn back to, oh, look, Charlie's back in the in his in his place. And, and this is a symbol of when the, the organization was, was good and, and hitting season was back. And the problem is, more, maybe more than any other sport, it is so incumbent on players being consistent every day, day in and day out. Hitters going to the plate with, with an approach day in and day out and grinding through at bats and uh, pitchers going and sticking with their mechanics and, and, and going through day in and day out. That's what makes the difference between a guy like Cliff Lee having all those years of success or a guy like Aaron Nola or a guy like Greg Maddox. All these, these players, the thing that they all had in common is their bad days were not really all that bad. And and that's the problem with the Phillies is they they have really good days and they have catastrophically bad days. Um, you know, you don't get upset about a day like today if there weren't so many of them this season that were rally killing. 
you know, you wouldn't be upset with a, with a, a day where your offense couldn't get you that that third and fourth run if there were weren't so many games where uh, you've lost games three to five nothing, you know, or, or or because you can't really pin this necessarily on pitching. To to a certain degree, m- my perception of the game today was this is not on the pitchers. Another quality start. And, and the Another bullpen. Quality start from Greasy Moyer. And the new guy, the guy they got yesterday, I think he gave up what, what that one home run ball. But you know, you can't say like this isn't uh, this is a game where Naris had a lead and then imploded, um, or the bullpen had a lead and then imploded. Um, so it's consistency, and that is the one thing fundamentally that this team lacks is they are uber streaky, and it just so happens that they streak on the low end. Way more than they streak on the hot end. I think the, the manager makes them streaky. Look, we are in late August now. You are behind in the division. You are trailing in the wild card race. We've said it amongst each other. You need to win every series from this point forward. You're in a rubber match today against an inferior opponent. What? In God's name, is Sean Rodriguez doing in the starting lineup today? It's unacceptable. I don't care if people need rest at this point in the season. I'd rather you bring Mikhail Franco back up than to see what I saw today from him. And actually what I've seen all season. Right. And I really don't understand what the message to the fans is that, you know, at this point in the season, these are must-win games, and this is the lineup you're going to trot out. Yeah, you can't wait until the rosters expand at this point and keep a guy like that on. You have you essentially to, have two pitcher spots. Today. Yeah, you have to. You have to have your best twenty-five players in the organization right now on the big team roster. You can't, uh, you know, have these nuts and bolts pieces that you can slide around from place to place. This is the problem that we had with Gabe all of last year is is it was more important for him to have like these Swiss Army knife kind of things instead of having a third baseman that was effective or having a second baseman that was an eff- effective or having three outfielders that were effective. Like let's let's have nine guys that you can put out on the field every single day and have a lineup that has some semblance of consistency that you can put out there every single day. We all could probably recite the the 2008 lineup you know probably you know you could you could you call my father he could give you 1980 he could also give you know <laughs> this is the this is the this is the thing uh how many of us would have have hit Bryce Harper in the leadoff spot more than once in the you know in, in the entire season and it, it boggles my mind that there's no rhyme or reason a lot of uh, times to these changes even worse than Bryce that Reese that Reese Hop, to have him so leading off. Uh, it was Lenny Dykstra, Mickey Morandini, John Crock, Dalton, Dave Hollins. Then it go what? Milt Chamber, uh, uh, Milt Thompson, whoever was in the or the, West Chamberlain, the left field platoon uh, that day, Incavilia. <laughs> Funny, but but how many times? Was Ryan Howard leading off for the Phils? He would never leave all, lead off for the Phillies. No, it wouldn't make any sense. So, and this goes back to the Charlie Manuel thing. What is his purpose? Is his purpose? It's because it's not to guide game that, and that's what I wanted it to be. Yeah, I, I don't know what it. I guess he's just there to just say, hey, you know, let's you see, see him and hit him. 
the the only thing I could gather, and this is just you know, and obviously you're watching things in a euphoric moment. Um, there's a certain amount of like this is bringing what is the legacy of the Phillies into the locker room quite literally, and it, to a certain degree, it seems like this team lacks leadership. And if you want to say that Andrew McCutcheon was at one point in this season the leader of the team, and when he was no longer on the field, that they lost something, there may be something to that, but. They have not replaced that leadership role. And bringing in Charlie Manuel, it seemed to me when they were coming off the field after that grand slam, the the person who got the biggest hug, to a certain degree, Bryce Harper's way of saying, like, I, you know, we did it, Pop. You know what I mean? He, he kind of grabbed and bear-hugged Charlie in a way that, to me, said that it, he was – he did that to some degree and, and was so proud to show Charlie, like, you know, look what I was able to do. Does anybody embrace Gabe Kapler that way? Have you any? Have you seen anybody embrace Gabe Kapler at all? You know, no fans, none of the players. They, he just kind of exists within the. He is not beloved. He is not hated. He is just meh. He's just Gabe. You know, my favorite thing that was going around about that whole Grand Slam was when they were showing the comparison between the Chase Utley first Grand Slam uh, and, uh, and and Bryce Harper's Grand Slam was finding out that when Chase Utley hit that Grand Slam, you know who was in right field? Gabe Kapler. So he got, oh, to, really? watch, yeah, he got to watch that ball go over his head. Huh. And, and, you think and, it was like computing the launch angle? <laughs> he's checking his car to be like yep nope i was probably in the wrong position <laughs> but yeah no and gabe's not hated you know if he was like i mean by his own players or maybe he is but he doesn't he he, he doesn't have that uh, you know scotty bowman you know reputation of i hate this bastard but he wins you know the whole team will you know bonds together in their hatred of the coach but the coach gets the job done no it's they, they're apathetic i'm can't i can't imagine how often they must tune out gabe can you you know that has to happen right oh yeah that's going on for sure like he like, comes in for the meeting the morning meeting and he's got all his handouts and all this shit out and he's got his glasses on he's licking his finger and uh uh mr Hoff uh, mr hoskins i've got your your uh your folder for you and uh uh mr mccutcheon i've got your folder for you you know and read uh read page seven i'm they're ignoring all of that crap when was the last time you listened to gabe kapler's press conference to get any information about the philadelphia phillies because you're not going to get any information about the Philadelphia Phillies because he's going to tell you that everything is just fine. And, yeah. what you know, we played good defense today. We did, uh, you know, we did all these little things right. We still we'll say it in, like, the weirdest way. Like, the most annoying way you could say it is right. the way he would choose to say it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that mix of, like, condescending and it's like, well, I see your point that we didn't get the results, but, like, we did this way. And, like, uh, it, it, it's... My wife and I, we watch a lot of Top Chef, and it reminds me when you have somebody go up there and the judges go, hey, this tasted awful. And they go, yes, but the technique I used to make this foam, <laughs> and I sous vide the meat, and I did this and I did that, and like, it's not my fault if you're not getting it, but it's like, yeah, but it tasted horrible. It's like, <laughs> Gabe, I, I, I know you think you're just you know, outsmarting everybody. 
but even your analytics have to tell you you're doing a shitty job. Like, I don't know what the advanced metrics are, but the the win loss column is not looking great. I was gonna say the the the, the simple uh, metric is is how many wins do you have, and that's not enough to be winning in the division or in the wild card. So that's that's a metric that needs to improve. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a happier time. Um, can we talk about the the the, the walk off grand slam just for a minute? Um, because. <sighs> high point of the whole season right it really is it it exceeded the other high point of the season which was game one where they you know walk right. you know uh walk walk carpet to get to uh to reese but oh god it was great it and the beauty of that swing man like the the point where the bat and the ball make connection and just uh, like his hands were loose coming there and it it was almost like that perfect golf swing you know it just made contact in such like an effortless and loose way and then went tearing out of there the follow through on that swing that was that was a thing of beauty and just from the moment like he made contact he knew it and i guess you know, I knew it by watching him. I'm like, shit, that's out of here. And, oh, God, it was a thing of beauty. I, I loved every moment of that. And then you got the Grinchy run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw a reference of that. I, I think it was his wife who tweeted it. Like, I don't get that. Like, like I don't get like, it either. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't I... I, I, I'm trying to think back to you know the how the Grinch stole Christmas and if I so do you remember this is what I think it is do you remember when he was like tiptoe like when he was stealing all of the presents off of the trees do you remember how high Bryce's knees was getting up as he was coming around second okay day? I think that that's what the reference is is because he kind of had his hands up near his chest and his knees are pumping really high and oh. I kind of got that same vibe of like he's being sneaky and geeky getting around the getting around the bags. Yeah, see, I'm missing like the the pizzicato like like things <laughs> right, from like. Right. <laughs> um... uh, but yeah, so but seriously, it takes it takes a lot for a regular season. So you know how when the Eagles win, like a big Eagles win, and you go into work on Monday and you're like, I fucking own this day. Like nothing. <laughs> it, like today's gonna be great. You know that it takes a lot for a regular season baseball game to make you feel like that the next morning. And I felt like that the next morning going into work. Mm -hmm. The thing that I, I have not been in the camp that Bryce Harper is a disappointment this season or overpaid or any of that. Like, I just don't, I don't find any fault in his particular play with uh, what the, the woes of the team have been. Uh, he, to, to me, I would, wouldn't even put him in like the top seven of the problems that this team has. He is a power hitter who strikes out a lot. Uh, he's at a near um, career-high walk rate. Uh, he's got career-high. He's going to have a career-high in RBIs. He's going to have a career-high in doubles. And uh, with the way this last two weeks have gone, he's going to hit 
between 35 and 38 home runs, most likely, unless he goes on another terrible, terrible slump. But um, you, you said you wouldn't put him in the top seven of problems. I don't think you no, would have him on the list, to be no, honest. No, I don't. I really don't think that you would, because he is exactly what you paid for. He is. Played a good, he plays a good right field. He too. plays I mean, a much he, better right field assists. than. Yeah, he's a much better right fielder than you. One of the things that when he was being, uh, you know, shopped around, or when he was when he was out in the free agent market, a lot of Nationals fans were going to tell you, well, you know, you can you can pay him all that money but he's going to play a terrible right field for you and that's just not been true it's just not it's, it's not the case you nobody's going to say he doesn't hustle nobody's going to say that he's he's looks like he's a bad teammate um you know he's he's been everything that you want him to be and when he has moments like that grand slam he transcends and this is why you paid him the money you paid him he transcends just a phillies game on a thursday night that was the that was trending all over Twitter and it was all over ESPN and it was like for two days that that doesn't happen with uh, just some guy that's out there in San Diego you know or or some second baseman in Baltimore like that that's just not he is that guy that is going to elevate your team into the upper echelon of of, of national attention so when he has all these people booing him and from place to place and saying he's overrated the reason they're doing that is because he makes them care to hate him because i was one of those people i am one of those people and if he had signed someplace else i would be there shouting overrated not because it's true but because i have no other way than to express how jealous i am that he wouldn't be playing for my team because that's how i felt when he played in washington Great, great points, Gene. And a few things I want to say on that is at that moment, he felt so much like our guy. You know, he has worked really hard to ingratiate himself to Philadelphia. It has worked. I see more Harper, you know, jerseys and shirtsies out there than any anybody else. Um but just seeing that celebration where he gets hit with the ice water from behind, you know, arms out during the interview, he, he just felt like our guy. You know, he it, it was a visceral connection. This is not our new player. This is not the guy I hope to be good. This is Bryce Harper, the face of the Philadelphia Phillies and a, a guy I really love and enjoy watching. And I do swear I had such a hard time sleeping after that Grand hmm. Slam. Like, and that doesn't happen in a regular season baseball game unless maybe I was at the game. You know, I, I'm, you know, watch that game exactly where I'm sitting right now. And I, I was just so tuned up. I had such a hard time sleeping that night. It was phenomenal. Sorry, I was just going to, um, I was curious what his war was this year. 2.9. Well, we have one of the leaders in war also in this lineup, which still... Yeah, JT? Yeah. yeah. Shocks me. But, you know, I think that that takes in a lot of the th other things that JT Romuto does. And uh, he is also a streaky hitter, but, I mean, considering what you were getting out of the catcher position last year, uh, he's been a big improvement. And his defense is, like, un believable compared to what other catchers do in the league. Like there is like one class of defensive catcher, it's JT, and then everybody else is, is <laughs> way below him. Like he is literally a weapon. Just think back to last year, how easy teams would run on us. Teams just 
and and teams still try to run on us. They just aren't as successful as you. Basically, if you got on base, if you had any speed, you were on third in a late in a game yeah. against us. You just were. I remember us having a whole up just talking about how bad it was that we had no concept of how to defend against the run. We were so bad defensively last year, and we have made big improvements, and that's the thing that's really frustrating me because I really believed that one of the biggest problems with this team last year was how dreadful they were defensively. This team is a an average Major League Baseball team, and that is light years better than what they were defensively last year. Light years. And I thought that just by simply improving their defense to get to mediocre, you know, to get to average was going to translate into a 10-win, 11-win, 12-win above 500 team. Like, I honestly blamed our defense that highly about how bad this team was. And maybe maybe having every single pitching move that you tried to make in the offseason, having zero of those bets pay off. Maybe that is the biggest problem. But... My God, like you can't take that many risks with the pitching staff and and, and think that they're all going to blow up in your face. You've got to be smarter with some of these moves. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's frustrating because that is baseball. Like arms are fragile, and that's why pitchers that are consistent and good, like that's why they are revered so much because it is a rare and special thing to be a Cliff Lee, a Doc Holliday, a... A, a, a Tom Glavin, a, a Kurt Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and we've seen how quickly that can be taken. Like the baseball gods will come and they will take that talent from you and it will happen overnight. Just think about Cliff Lee. He just disappeared. He One day he was, one night in, in, in San Francisco, he pitched uh, 11 shutout innings. And then the next day he was never the same again. He yeah. was never the same again. And that's how quickly the baseball gods can take that talent away. So I hope that we figure out a way to maneuver around this sort of hex that we seem to be under as far as the pitching staff. And I was hoping that we were just going to mash past everybody. But if there's one thing I've learned watching baseball is if you are a team built to win by just scoring 10 runs a game, you are not going to be a winning franchise. There, There is no such thing as like the offensive juggernaut in the National League. It's just not a thing. Uh, you know, the 08 field maybe were as close as you've ever got. But by God, they had a tremendous bullpen we maybe one thing we we lack here in in philadelphia is to give credit to how good that bullpen in 2008 was go back and look at those numbers they are uh mind-bendingly great because remember that starting staff we started jamie moyer and uh and 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 blanton joe blanton in the world series and still (laughs) won in five games Real quick, I have to share this with our listeners. You cannot see the wince Gene did when he said Joe Blanton, the World Series. But it was a mix between pain and disbelief that he had to spit those words out. But it's 100% true, Gene. 100% We once fielded a, a team that was called the Four Aces and Joe Blanton. They had a press conference <laughs> where they had to include him so he wouldn't feel bad about himself. And I, I you know... I met Joe Blanton once, like, standing on the rail. He could not have been a nicer human being. Like, stood and shook my hand. I also like how, like, Roy, Roy Howdy had to come out and be like, you know, guys, like, Joe Blanton, he's a good pitcher. Like, he, he's, he's good. <laughs> don't like, don't he's good. sleep on Joe Blanton. Like, he's got, like... He's really uncomfortable and sort of lumpy. He's got, like, a... 
<laughs> he's got like a three eight nine ERA. Like he hits home runs. He's good. Uh, okay. So well, all right. The so, state where so where are we? The Phillies are sixty four and sixty. They're they're two games out of the wild card. Nine games behind the Braves for the division. There's still time. I don't know what to say. We're tied with the Mets. That's the thing about this. We year. need to, we need to play the Nationals and sweep the like. If something like that happens, like that's like the. Th- that's the it. Cubs series was huge. It was huge. That was a sweep. Right, that was right when the doctor ordered. Like that, that was perfect. And then just to come out flat against Sandy, I mean, to lose these two games because you don't have the pitchers. No, that's yeah. the thing. It's like Vargas, Velasquez, Smiley. It's just not going to work. These guys are not the bullpen aside. Like you don't. Have, you don't have, who's the, who's our left hander coming out of the bullpen? By the way, we can't keep up because they have to sign a new relief pitcher every other day just it's to nice. have a full pen. We'll keep watching. And that's the thing is this way this year is is, is laid out. And I mean, God bless the schedule makers. Like they're keeping us in it. Like I don't know. I mean, like you can look at the schedule in September and be like, is this the death day? Is hey. this the death day? <laughs> Red you know, Sox coming up. I'm really excited about this series. I love oh, when we God. play in Fenway, and I would love for us to take two off of these guys. Um, but you almost yeah, wish we're just like going to was... lose those right back to Miami, though. That and <laughs> right that's <back>. frustrating. <laughs> that's oh, really frustrating. Please. <laughs> and real quick, the emotional journey we've been on in this Phillies conversation has been the Phil season. You know, I think, you know, all the things that bring us joy and make us happy, happy, and then the stupid frustration, and it still all comes down to the pitching. You know? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Eagles. Woohoo! Uh, quarterbacks keep dying. We'll just, you know, crush them all you want. We'll sign more. <laughs> Yeah, but now we have the first risk of one dying of old age. <laughs> so wait, so Sudfeld goes down in game one. Uh, Kessler goes down in game two. Uh, Thor Thorson, what's his name? Thorson, I, I, right, Gene? Thorson, you watched them play for God knows how long down well, in Jacksonville. This is the thing that's interesting. So if you've been following us on social media, uh, I was able to uh, get as close as anybody did to, to uh, Nick Foles over the weekend uh, or middle of the week. It was a Thursday game. Um, uh, a couple of quick observations before uh, we get into the actual breakdown of the game of being in Jacksonville, because I think this is a very unique time. Uh, and maybe later in the season, it's not going to be quite as uh, the vibe's going to be different uh, once the season starts. But there were Eagles fans, and there were a lot of Eagles fans down there uh, for a preseason game. Um, there were Jacksonville fans, and I got to be honest, like, there are actual Jacksonville Jaguar fans. They aren't, there aren't many of them, but, uh, like, I met quite a few people who legitimately are like, you know, with their Mark Brunel jerseys, the way that we wear, uh, you know, uh, Randall Cunningham jerseys and, and can talk to you at length about the history of this franchise from 1995 forward. Um, but the thing that was so interesting to me is there were gang groups of people, not gangs, but groups of people that were arm in <laughs> arm uh, wearing the full seven jersey and the full nine jersey taking pictures of each other or running up to it together to take pictures of each other, you know, with a nine and a seven back to back to each other. Um, 
the section that we sat in was almost entirely Eagles fans. Um, but the one thing we all cheered for was when Foles, you know, was was a uh, they they credit to the Jacksonville marketing team. Like they really knew their audience there on Thursday night. Lots of video packages spotlighting Foles and his like mythic run as, you know, you know, an Eagles quarterback and 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 pictures of from the Super Bowl because they were, could really get the whole crowd juiced. And that's what happened was you had Jacksonville fans and Eagles fans cheering for the same stuff, which is such a weird experience to go to an away stadium and everybody is cheering for a guy who was not even on the field it was so bizarre um lots of uh the marketing and stuff is all geared towards falls they 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 are really jacksonville is really all in on nick coming and leading this franchise back to the playoffs it's and really what they've got is a half decent defense and nick falls that is the jacksonville jaguars and if one of those two things doesn't work out then they're going to be a bad football team um before we even got to our seats, because we had to get all the way to the top of the stadium, um, I turned to my brother-in-law and I said, oh, I guess Casey Kessler, uh, or what is it? Is he Casey, Corey, Tommy, B- Bill Kessler? Uh, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> Cody. sure. Cody. Cody, thank you. I knew it was one of those 80s icons names. Um, so, <laughs> what? Like the Corys. <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Right. And I believe, like, the Cody's were like the Simpsons parody of the Corys, and I'm pretty sure that's what you're going with. But there you go. You're, you make my humor much deeper than it is, Chuck. Thank you. Wait, um, like Corey Haim? Is that what you're? Well, that was the other Corey. It was Corey okay. Feldman and Corey Haim were the Corys. And uh, so anyway, uh, by the time we got to our seats, it was already Thorson in the game. So I said he must have had a great game, and they must be. Maybe they just want to give you know this kid Thorson the 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 keys to the car and let him drive I thought we must have had other quarterbacks on the on the roster and I was shocked when we got into the third quarter and Thorson is still out there I'm like what are they doing where you know who else where, where why didn't they leave Kessler in for a half and then after the game and scrolling through things I find out oh my god he had gone into the 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 protocol for for concussion it how it, can one team be so snake bit in one preseason with well, can we just can to... we just not play any more preseason games or can we just snap them directly to one of our like legion of running backs can we can we do that if you listen to ray didinger he said that that injury was kessler's fault uh, what do you what do you mean well failure to read the 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 defense and the blocking scheme i did see something about how i guess there were some people that initially were faulting the left tackle who i guess was dillard on the on the play and 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 i guess i what you're saying is that people that watch football are like no 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 the left tackle was doing his job and that the i mean the knock on kessler was that he didn't get the ball out very 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 fast and it's looking like by the way things have turned out the last couple days uh this concussion may cost him his job (laughs) So uh, can, can, before we move on, can, can I can I ask the, the, you guys a, a question about Nick Foles? Um, and you, you feel free to call me a, a complete asshole or whatever. But so the story comes out, Nick Foles is going to wear number seven because nine belongs to Philadelphia. And that number stays there and and. Like what the hell, man? Come on! Like, re- like, are we <laughs> buying all this? I'll, like, what the heck? I'll tell you, it was still the talk. Like, if you went into any of the bars in Jacksonville, and I was in a couple different places, 
And it was one of those things where, like, Jacksonville fans thought that was a satisfying answer to them because it felt like he was taking a new step with them and, and, and stepping away from his past. And obviously Eagles fans seemed to be kind of into it because it meant that nine got to be something that was special to them. Come on, you know Eagles fans love to slop that stuff up. They love to be like, that's Nicky. He's saying that nine's special, and that means I'm special. I mean, I pers- <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just a negative person. Like, I heard that, and it's just like my eyes start to roll. Like, give me a bit with this guy. But if you talk to, like, Joanne from Mayfair, her eyes started to well up. I, and then I'm 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 on Twitter today. I get I see a tweet from Marcus Hayes. Now look, to today he tweets out. I mean, wait, what's today's date? Uh, today, when we're recording it, is uh, August 18th. Okay, but so this you, was people last week. Listening I don't know. To it at a different time. This is last. I guess this is before. That. Nick Foles ran 10 50-yard sprints after a three-hour practice in full pads alone. After every other player went into the locker room, the heat index is 102 degrees. Hashtag leadership. Hashtag Eagles. Hashtag Jaguars. <laughs> hashtag reckless. Hashtag I mean, dehydration. Okay. Okay. Like I, I I don't know I'm I'm like so ready to just turn the page to Carson, but nobody lets me do it. I keep getting Nick Foles shoved down my throat. You know, it, it's I, I hear you. There's Nick. your drop for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck trying not to make a big dick Nick joke. I saw that one for future yeah. reference. Um. I, I get it. I hear you. It's the preseason. There's not a lot to write about. Uh, the, the Marcus Hayes thing, that's that's stupid. That's trying to say, you know, you know, uh, you know, Wentz was not included anywhere in that tweet, but it Just was a stoking direct shot. already di- like divided, sort of divided fan base. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It's it's poking the bear. And as for the number, okay, fine. That seems like something Nick Foles would do. It, it's nice enough. I, I was not bothered by it. I was not inspired by it, nor did I go, oh, listen to this bullshit from Nick Foles. It's my default. What a stance. toolbox. That guy always saying dumb shit. <laughs> I wish I wish that I, I would love to uncover a, 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 a like a seedier reason that that number got changed. Sorry, <laughs> just me. Maybe you should create a burner account and be like, uh, you know, uh, find a new take, Nick. I'm not saying Nick Foles changed his number due to mob ties. I'm just <laughs> saying that there's some people in the organization who share that opinion. Would you care to elaborate, Dave? I would not. <laughs> oh man. Uh okay, so the the who do you think has the best backup quarterback in the NFL? Oh, I couldn't even begin to tell you. Couldn't even begin to to tell you right now. What's the situation with the with the Chiefs? Who's the backup there? Uh, the the backup for the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, hold on. You're you're not going to be impressed. I know that. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I mean, we don't need to look it up. I'm 
thinking of somebody. I, I, I actually, it. I actually have an answer to this, and I, I okay. I think the best backup quarterback, the best backup situation is in Baltimore. With RG three, RG three, because I feel like if he's actually healthy, he could probably step in and and replicate that offense, which is basically an all running offense. Chad Henney is the backup quarterback for the Chiefs. Ooh. BT Dubs. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I stand by it. And honestly, if, if if it's not Baltimore, and this is being very serious, the best backup situation by week five or six in the NFL could be the Giants. With Eli uh, backing up? Because Eli might be the backup quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going that way with yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, I see. So uh, I'm reading this NJ.com article, and they have Jacoby Brissett uh, from the Colts as the as the best backup, which probably is true. That's not a, that's not a bad take either. And uh, and and I always feel like whoever is backing up Tom Brady is usually a, a safe bet for that sort of thing. Um. So among the other highlights are Tyrod Taylor with the Chargers, um, and Ryan Tannehill with the Titans. But they actually have Josh McCown as number four, right, with the Eagles. Or was it when he was retired? No, with the Eagles. This is a new, like the new updated list. It's amazing it, to me how the takes have been. Like this is such a coup for Howie that he was able to to make this happen. You know, was were other people trying to get McCown, and that Howie just has this magic touch that he can get the ungettable? I, I don't well, know. He was retired, right? Yeah. So well, um, this is going to be his eight. This will be will be his 18th year in the league. He was a quarterback when Doug Peterson was a quarterback. They they were in the league at the same time as players, which to me is a crazy idea. Yeah, it, I mean, if he completes a pass in the regular season, he'll be the oldest Eagle to complete a pass, right? Yeah, I think that's true. <clears throat> there were some running, like Darren Sproles could, I think, pass him if he completes a pass. Right, right. Um, yeah, hopefully he doesn't get that opportunity. Uh, but you know, it's just like the backup quarterback situation. I, like, I know everyone's stressed out and it's like, you, you, if you turn on sports, like, right, it's like Kaepernick, 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 got a Kaepernick, Kaepernick. Um, but the backup situation, when you look across the NFL, any team that loses their starting quarterback is fucked. And here's the thing with all these people that are calling for Kaepernick. They, they they make the assumption that Kaepernick is sitting on the phone waiting for somebody to call and offer him a backup quarterback job. I think the misconception is that, no, no, Kaepernick is waiting for them to pick up the phone and call with a starting job. Or at least like a very real opportunity to, to compete for a starting job. Howie Roseman's pitch to him is like, hey, can you come be a stopgap and maybe play in a couple of preseason games for us and then ride the pine behind the guy that we just paid a Why huge amount of money? Why in the world do you want every player, you know, the other 52 guys on the team, answering questions about national anthems and protests and it's the, the Fidel it's Castro the exact, t-shirts? And... Just imagine how, how it was when they brought in Tim Tebow for three weeks. You know, and he was never, ever a serious threat to make the football team. And and how that was such a huge distraction to to that camp that ended up being uh, in Chip Kelly's last year. But I think at that point, that megalomania that had a, possessed Chip Kelly had just fully taken over. That was one of the most bizarre, like, 
conspiracy theory like that whole bit of like they've got the same agent so there must have been like a wink wink nudge nudge like give timmy a couple of shots to to show what he's got to go get a thing you know and you don't want to buy that kind of stuff but like what other point would there have been because tim tebow is not a quarterback like he cannot pass the ball so why would you have brought him into the team? And the same thing is we, with Colin Kaepernick. And this is what I really believe is the reason why there's a lot of – he's a lot of distraction for a guy that is going to want to be a starting quarterback. And right now, at this point, he has been three years on the street. Well, the that's only what guy I was that's ever, that. ever done anything like that is Michael Vick. Yeah. And McCown's played more recently than he has, and – might have mentioned it the last episode, but there was a great uh, Ruben Frank article of uh, mentioning, you know, his relationship with Malcolm Jenkins and how like Malcolm Jenkins was part of this players association, you know, that came to an agreement with the league and Kaepernick didn't agree with it. So there we already have, you know, if you want to say, oh, you know, they're afraid to bring on somebody who's outspoken about social issues. We have a guy that's tremendously outspoken about social issues and speaks very well about it. And he and Kaepernick are not necessarily in agreement. And he's and one of you the would three make best guys team. in his position. And you would basically yeah. make everyone on that team pick which side they're on. Yeah. And let me tell you, they're not going to side with the guy that just showed up with his three ring circus. I mean, unless they in their heart believe that that's the correct side to be on which is fine but i just don't want to put anyone in that position and yo we got betsy ross flags all over the city yeah no i I, the whole thing is just it just doesn't make sense that that's the guy that you immediately gravitate to like what has made people think that colin kaepernick could come into a franchise any of the at this point in any of the 32 cities and and lead a team to a playoff run this is well, an Eagles they, team that is better prepared talent-wise to go to the Super Bowl than the team that actually won the Super Bowl. And you want to bring in something like that to derail the momentum. Well, I think if you don't think about it too much, it makes sense. Like, if if in your head the only reason this guy is not playing is because of his political stance, and if if in your head, hey, he's young – and he has talent, and, you know, there was a lot of criticism when he was, you know, a starting NFL quarterback of, you know, how good was he really? But he was good enough. I mean, he was a starting quarterback in the NFL, and those aren't easy to find. But the idea, if you don't think about it too much, is like, we have this starter just sitting here doing nothing. We can bring him in. You know, nobody's bidding against us until you go. Like you said, Gene, he hasn't played in three years He's not going to be up to speed. He can't just take the the field. And there's no such thing as live game action that you can, you know, unless he was playing up in Canada, you know, if he was playing in the CFL. And that 49er style offense was kind of a weird hybrid kind of thing that I feel like defenses were had figured out by the next year. Like the kind of offense that he was running that was kind of that like run and gun style like that's a young quarterback's game and and Colin Kaepernick never showed that he was going look at his his actual passing numbers he was one of the least accurate passers in the league he would be replacing you know in a pinch Carson Wentz who is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league he is 
tradi- you know, he is consistently over 70% for his passes. Colin Kaepernick never had a, a, one of his seasons where he uh, he broke uh, 70% for the year. And right now in the league, your top 10 quarterbacks, all of them consistently are 70% passers. That's just the way the game is played now. The way the game is called in this passing league is you are you are called as the quarterback to put the ball in the receiver's hands. There will be open players. You have to find them. Yeah. Yeah, it was like when we had Cobb and Vic. It's like, congratulations, they don't play the same offense. You know, argue which one's better. It was Vic. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, argue what style's better, but they don't play the same style. You can't just go, all right, here, go with the game plan we had drawn up because it's not going to work. Hey, also, um, McCown's played with Alshon. Oh, they they have quite a a, a rapport, apparently. Um, they, and he had a great year that year. They uh, apparently, um, like, in Chicago, were, like, buddies. They would do, like, charity basketball games together. Like, they are really good friends. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he'll never even see the field, you yeah. know? And really, honestly, in my head, like McCown is a uh, a Jet first, Bear second. Like that that those are the two teams I associated with him. One of the pictures I saw, he has, uh, I think he's got six daughters, and they had one of you know all of his kids had one of his jerseys on. He's been on so many rosters. Yeah, Tampa, Oakland, New York, Cleveland, Carolina, Chicago, Arizona. Yeah, and I forgot that he was one of those guys. Have you ever seen that? And I know we've talked about this before, that quarterback shirt that they have that floats around in, in Cleveland where they have that long list of of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of of quarterbacks in the back of that person's jersey, which is hilarious. And, you know, you never want to see one of the guys that's on that shirt kind of matriculate through your, your system. But uh, he was probably one of the better better players that go to go through Cleveland. But, yeah, it's crazy how long that guy's been in the league. He was never anybody's, I guess, A option, but – he is what I think of as a traditional backup quarterback. He is the guy that will come in. He has no he's no threat to Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to turn yeah. the franchise over to Josh McCown. You know what I mean? This is a guy that literally probably would rather be home watching the game than, you know, being in the game, but um here we are, and and I feel like this is a situation because of his relationship with some of the players on the team, and because he really does believe this might be the opportunity to come in and be on a roster that could win a championship, and that's an exciting thing to be in, and what I keep reading over and over again from Jets fans, from Bears fans, from other people, is more than anything, what we got is an incredible person in the locker room, and what I can say that that is kind of replacing is, and I'm going to say the name again, is every player, when you talk to them, said that one of the things that they were going to miss is having Nick around their locker room. You know, and Nate Sutfeld and 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 the Corys and whatever else and, and Baby Thor, none of those guys were going to replace <laughs> that that aspect of what, you know, what you had in the locker room. Now, obviously, um, it was a whole different kind of vibe, but this is very truly the year Hold that we on. have to Who see is baby Thor. That's Thorson. Oh, is that, do they call him that? That's what I call him. Oh, cause he's okay. got blonde. Glad hair. I asked the clarifying question. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, sometimes I just want to see if I can throw some stuff out there and see if it kind of, I was momentum. with you on the Cody's. I fell, I followed that from yeah. earlier in the cool. episode. Cool. 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 
That's what we call a throwback. Um, yeah. So, but that's the thing. Like this, this is now the keys to the Ferrari are in, are in Carson Wentz's hands. So, we the franchise from this point forward is going to live and die on his surgically repaired knees and back and all of those things. So, by God, Carson, you have got to take care of yourself this year. And we, and honestly, I think that if we were to have a quarterback issue beyond October, it's not going to be. Um, it's it's going to be Sudfeld that's going to actually like if, if Carson was to go down, Sudfeld is the guy that's going to actually fill in for a long period of time because he is built to actually run this offense. In a pinch, you bring in the veteran, but if we had to like start like AJ Feely style or Coy Detmer style, that that falls on Sudfeld. So this whole thing is kind of like a stopgap uh, bandaid. I would disagree with that. You disagree with that? <laughs> if Carson went down in week two. For the season, yeah. Or, well, well, so Sudfeld comes was, back on week three. Sudfeld comes back in week three. If Everybody Carson healthy, gets injured on week four. Uh, you'd want Sudfeld to play the whole season. I just feel like he is the one who has been in the system as long as the system's been in place, and that Sudfeld is probably the guy that knows it better. Um, maybe okay. by the time we got there, you uh, know, we'd be okay. But I don't know, and I hope I I hope that that's a. Uh, what do they call that? Like a a a, a theoretical impossibility. Mm. Like that's not something that be. ever actually happens. Um, but like you said, any team in the league right now, the way and and that's the way it kind of should be. Any team loses their starting quarterback, they're screwed. So did, did uh, are you guys watch Hard Knocks? I actually uh, yeah. watched the first episode before we we got on air. Oh, so in episode two, uh, first off, Gruden is gold. Um, but in episode two, he's working with, um, uh, God, who are the back Mike Glennon and, uh, um, what's his name? Peter Peterman, Jay Peterman, Nathan Peterman, Nathan Peterman. Remember he didn't, didn't that guy throw like 12 interceptions in his first game with the, uh, the bills last season. I think he did. Yeah. It, he and it's horrible. like Gruden is having a goddamn heart attack on the side. <laughs> It's pretty uh, good. Yeah, uh, I'm really into this season of Hard Knocks. It's uh, good. I, I want it's, it's good that you brought this up. Um, if, if we can, if we can step away from the Eagles for one second before we leave football altogether. Um, any takes on this whole Antonio Brown situation? Does any of this <laughs> does any of this surprise you? I mean, from the frostbite to the to the helmet controversy, and the thing that was interesting today was the. Um, Is it frostbite? I thought he had like blisters or something on his. Feet. No, it was literally frostbite. He was getting treatment. Maybe he had like underlying issues to begin with, but he wore improper uh, footwear into one of those cryogenic. Um, systems that you oh is that what happened he literally got frostbite on his feet yeah yeah and that's why in like an episode one they were talking like he could only do lateral movement and stuff like that yeah because you you saw the picture like the instagram photos of his feet and it's that's it's It's gross gross. yeah it's frightening but yeah no it's literally frostbite but now like he's apparently physically cleared to play um but he's got all kinds of issues with the nfl over his helmet and 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 all of that all of this kind of like completely nonsensical to me stuff and the and mike mayock it's mike mayock that's the gm out there now right um maybe i think so yeah from the nfl network and he basically came out today and was like we have exhausted all of the things we can do with the league to find a resolution to this issue between the league and antonio and honestly it's time 
to like either be all in or be all out. Like that's literally the quote. It's time to be all in or all out. This is the player that you have brought in with much pomp and circumstance and fanfare. He has literally played zero snaps for you. And you're already at a, at, at a point where you're saying you're either all in or all out. It's to me like this is the problem right now with a lot of the things in the NFL. Like this whole this whole situation that Le'Veon Bell kind of this Pandora's box that he opened last year. The Ezekiel the Ezekiel the Ezekiel Elliott uh, holdout, the Melvin Gordon situation, Antonio Brown. Like all of these guys that are now un like trying to I don't know if they're trying to muscle their their teams to a certain degree like i i understand the concept of the holdup but like i don't get the antonio brown situation at all like he got everything he wanted he got the money he got the years he's on the team because he could he could be in buffalo right now you want to talk about frostbite try buffalo in in november (laughs) so i don't get it like i don't get it and but the one thing i think we can all agree on the three of us listeners everyone thank god He's not on our the Eagles. Thank God he is not playing for us. Well, there's there's actually one more thing we can agree on. It's time to go to Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. I saw that one coming. Like the, the smile on your face was just the big giveaway. It's like, all right. Reach for the sound effect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh Gene, tonight we'll start with you. Gene, who is in your penalty box? So and I've spent most of the day trying to do some uh, Google detective work, and I can't I can't find a lot of good information on this. So uh, maybe this is all urban myth. But in my penalty box, I'm going to put in Major League Baseball because have you heard of the Chicago Cups? Anybody heard about the Chicago Cups? Chicago Cups? Cubs? No, no, no. The Chicago Cups. C U P S. Like like uh, to pour me a cup of baseball? Yeah, like a cup of Joe. Okay. So here's the concept. So if you go out to the to the to the bleachers in Wrigley, apparently what's catching on is the this idea where you take beer cups and you stack them. So you know they grow into these snakes, but you need like three to four hundred cups to make the snake uh, formidable. Like and, a red solo cup? Well, well, you know the the equivalent that you would buy beer in at. Wrigley oh, Field. got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not so, like cans, though, no. basically. No, okay. so that's these. they stack these cups, and they get very tall, sometimes 20 to 30 feet high, of stacks of beer cups in the bleachers at Wrigley. And then they, they pour beer into the top cup, and then they hold it up. And obviously, if you've ever done this sort of thing, the, 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 the snake kind of gets unstable, and then the, the object is to then pour beer from the top cup into a fan's mouth. <laughs> So they have these snakes, that's what they call them, cup snakes, and they tilt them to try and okay. pour the beer into a fan down the, you know, down the aisle, you know, from each other. Well, this is wildly popular amongst the fans in Wrigley Field, um, but it is not popular amongst the ushers in Wrigley Field. And apparently they complained to, uh, to management, and uh, then management tried to put the kibosh on it, and... Um, they then complained to Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball pulled several, air quotes, several other Major League Baseball teams. And the way they put up the memo to the fans included this. Uh, lots of, uh, there are many Major League Baseball teams that do not approve of this practice in their stadiums, including the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, this would be the problem, in my opinion. 
If you went to a Cubs fan and said, well, Cardinals fans don't like that, do you know what Car most Cubs fans would do? That exact thing because fuck Cardinals fans. <laughs> it's the same thing if, if you had told me not to do something because Cowboys fans don't like it. Well, guess what? I'm going to do it today, tomorrow, and Sunday because fuck Cowboys fans. So Major League Baseball thinks that by going to Cubs fans and saying, well, the St. Louis Cardinals fans don't like that, and you want to be just like the Cardinals fans, don't you? I hope that they make cup snakes. Then, So I'm going to be watching Wrigley Field, like, <laughs> any chance I get. I hope they make cups, cup snakes so tall and pour beer all over each other for the rest. Like, I cannot wait till playoff time when I can see, like, Three-story high cup snakes. I am so pumped for this. And we're go you're going to know what it is, and Chuck's going to know, and all of these list like the hundred listeners that, that listen to this show, they're going to know, and we're going to all be able to laugh because the reason that that happened is because fuck Cardinals fans. Okay, so Major League Baseball, uh, you are getting a 10-minute game misconduct for, like, parenting 101, man. You totally should have gone reverse psychology, but you pointed out the dorky kid and said, don't you want to be like him? And Cup, Cubs fans and Cup fans responded with a resounding no, 10-minute game misconduct. Learn more about your kids. Dave, who... I knew I was missing something there. Thank you for the whistle. Dave, who is in your penalty box? Okay, I am putting uh, Lenny Dykstra's Twitter followers... Uh, in my penalty box, uh, I am also a Lenny Dykstra Twitter follower, but I am not involved in this incident by any means. Uh, so <laughs> Lenny Dykstra tweeted out today, enough, stop private messaging me to ask my opinion about whether Maddie Frecking, you know, you guys know who she is? No, I know. She's a pitcher for the Minnesota Little oh, League. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Stop private messaging me to ask me my opinion about whether Maddie Frecking, the young lady in the Little League World Series, is going to be hot in five or six years or whatever. It's inappropriate even for Nails Nation. When Lenny Dykstra has to rein you in, what sort of monster are you? What, what disgusting creature watches a Little League baseball? I can't even begin to... I just think, who are you that Lenny Dyson needs to put you in check? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. People who need to take life advice from Lenny Dykstra. You are failing the, the um, substance uh, abuse policy in Major League Baseball. You're getting a... Uh, a half a year suspension. <laughs> um, you need serious counseling. Don't talk oh, about. Man. I thought I was going to get the first lifetime ban. Oh, I don't understand how that doesn't re result in a prison sentence. Well, we give chance for reformation. They, I don't know, but Jesus Christ, people, save us, Chuck. No, apparently not, because we're staying in baseball. Okay. And um, it doesn't get better, um, but we do are talking about uh, Little League, but we're talking about the Little League Classic, uh, that wonderful baseball experience that brings us all back to our childhood to see 
major league players acting like kids out there. And, you know, it's a nice event. It's, you know, things like, Dave, you often talk about sharing these sorts of things with your kids and really having a, a family moment with about our love of sport and our love of baseball. And what A-Rod decided to say was having to do with the athleticism of young people today. And we're talking about Generation Z. We're not talking about millennials. We're talking about Generation Z. We're talking about children. And A-Rod just said, you know, this is the first generation of children that will not outlive their parents. They're more <laughs> interested in playing esports than actual sports. So A-Rod has just said these children are going to die before their parents do because they're too busy playing video games, which is asinine and dumb. And then he doubled down, doubled down because afterwards, um, after the commercial break, my jaw was still on the floor, but after the commercial break, they go back and um, some player had said his favorite baseball, his favorite movie as a kid was uh, The Sandlot. And they ask uh, Jessica Mendoza what her favorite movie was. And she responds, a league of uh, a league of their own, which makes perfect sense. Right. Except for the fact that they mock her. They're like, come on, a league of your own. Like, I don't know about that. Pick another one. She's like, I can't. I don't know what to tell you. It was my favorite movie as a kid. So now, kids, remember, you're all going to die because you're fat and don't look up to your idols. So A-Rod. You're getting a double minor because you're one of the least objectionable people today. Lord help us all. All right, that's it. That's it for today. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next Monday. Well, I won't be back, but Gene and Chuck will be back next Monday. Um, what do you look? Why'd you make that? Why'd you make that face? Did you not know I wasn't going to be on the show next week? We'll talk about it off air. <laughs> <laughs> Potadelphia will be back next Monday. Yes, Potadelphia will. In the meantime, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And with that, have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here. <laughs>